seen it. I mean, I'm, I, I don't have a TV, so I didn't really get to watch any of the Olympics actually on TV, but um, I would have imagined they played that one. But that's a great commercial, and that's what really got me fired up when I saw that. And, um, in fact, Pastor Earl saw it too, and he started going in this vein a little bit, and we were having some conversation about it, and it was just, man, that's where we need to go right now. Um, and, and basically what you're saying, you got the first guy, he's getting ready to dive into the water, and he says, take a day off. I don't even take a morning off. You got the second person, she's uh, riding a bike, and she says, I haven't had dessert in over a year. I haven't even ordered dessert in over a year. You got another guy who's getting ready to throw a, a, a shot put, um, and he says, uh, what did he say? Does anyone remember what he said? He hasn't seen TV in over a year. Got another one that says, um, I, I, that new book that came out, haven't even read it. Haven't even had the time to read it. Why? Because they are focused and dedicated on the prize. And so uh, this is the life of the believer. There are sacrifices that we need to be making. There are adjustments in our lives that to live this life of the believer and to be able to run this race appropriately, that there's some discipline that needs to be, uh, that needs to take place. Um, you know, and that's a word a lot of us hate. But see, the thing is, is, and I can promise you none of them enjoy it. None, none of them hate getting to the end of the meal and wanting that slice of cheesecake and not being able to order it. None of them hate telling their friends, hey, I can't hang out with you this weekend. I, you know, I've got to make sure I get a lot of sleep. I've got to meet this weekend. Uh, you know, none of them are, are wanting to stay on these diets and, uh, you know, bust their bodies into submission the way they are, getting up early and, and training as much as they are. But... What is the object that they're after? It's the prize. You can, you can promise you right now that every Olympian that was in there was after one thing, a gold medal. And if they don't achieve the gold medal, there's, there's not a full sense of satisfaction. They're not, there's not one person going in there saying, you know what, I, I'm rightly after that bronze thing. I want the bronze medal. I think that's a cool way to go. Nobody's saying, you know, silver, that, that's awesome. I like silver. I like silver better than gold anyways. I'd rather just have second place. Nobody's in there going after second place. Okay? So these guys are, are dedicated and they're being driven by the goal, by the prize. I said this last week that, you know, I think sometimes we have the wrong objective in mind. We have the wrong goal in mind. And a lot of times we make our goal in our spiritual lifestyle wanting to read more of the word. You know, I, I really just want to pray more. Um, and, and then some of us are even in this, in, in this category. I, I just want to stop sinning. I, I'm tired of sinning. I'm tired of sinning as much. And so we make our goal in life to not sin. But no, there's no athlete that's going after the prize that their goal is to lose weight. I like to use baseball primarily because I love it. But secondly, it's the longest sport. As far as time span, it, come, it begins in February, and the thing's not over till October. I mean, you have like three months where you're not doing anything baseball, <laughs> if you're a baseball player, okay? It's just, this is a very long season, and there is no baseball player that shows up to spring training in February. And if you interview him, hey, Mr. Hamilton, what, what is your, what's your goal this year? What, what are you looking to achieve? His answer is not going to be, you know what, I just really want to eat healthier. 
No, I, I really need to get on a good diet plan. No. His objective is, I want to win the World Series. I want the ring on my finger. Now, will he lose weight? Will he uh, get in good shape? Will he train well? Will he eat right? Yeah, but those things are byproducts. I believe that if we make our lives as citizens of the kingdom of God, uh, the goal of our lives is to advance the kingdom, those things will take place. See, if I love God and, and I just want to fulfill my purpose for my life that he has for me, I'm not going to sin. I'm going to want to be in his word because I want to learn and grow as much as possible. I'm going to pray because I need to communicate with my father. I need to know what his plan and what his purpose is for my life. I need to be able to get his will done in the earth. So those things will take place. I believe that if we switch our objectives around and we go after the goal, the true purpose for our lives, and run our race with that in mind, uh, I think that we'll see all those things that we have made goals uh, take place in our lives. Uh, tonight's message, I, I called it, Put Me In, Coach. Put Me In, Coach. We know the song, Put Me In, Coach. I'm ready to play. And we're going to talk about the coaches because uh, one of the big factors to an athlete's success is who he surrounds himself with. And every athlete, there's no athlete that goes into trying to achieve that goal alone. They're surrounded by trainers. They're surrounded by coaches. Uh, they've got nutritionists. They've got dietitians. They've got all these guys that know uh, everything. You've got conditioning coaches, and then you've got uh, you know, weight coaches, and you've got workout coaches. You've got a coach for every factor of of whatever you're trying to do. And these people, these athletes, are great at surrounding themselves with people that are going to push them towards success. And we've got to have coaches. Look at this in over, over in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. In Ephesians chapter, chapter 4, verse 11 says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? Why do we have those? We know those as a five-fold ministry. Why do we have those? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. We want to grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the whole body for the edifying of itself in love. So Paul here is saying, here's why you have the five-fold ministry. Here's why you have pastors, teachers, prophets, apostles, uh, evangelists. Here's why they are in your life. It is for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. It's to equip you. It's to empower you. It's to enable you. It's to put you in a position towards success that's why you have these guys these guys are essentially your coaches in running this race in your life 
See, the first thing we have to understand is that a disciplined life is not achieved alone. A disciplined life is not achieved alone. You have to surround yourself with these individuals. You have to surround yourself. There's no athlete that's going out on the field without being taught, without being... Uh, there's no baseball player that's just showing up uh, in the middle of May and saying, hey, I'm here to play. Where, where do you want me? No, they have put time in on the practice field, and they have spent time with coaches and have been conditioning and training to get their bodies in preparation to take on what they're getting ready to do. Why? So they can be effective in their assignment and then bring victory to the whole team, to the whole body. Now, here's what we need to look at. <clears throat> Back in verse 13, let's look at that. Ephesians 4, verse 13 says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, here it is, to a perfect man. Now, that, that would bother some people. It would bother me for a little while. You're, you're asking me to be perfect? First of all, let me read... Let me, let me hit back on what we talked about last week. And last week's primary focus was grace. Grace, which is a very strong message right now in the church, but it's a very misunderstood message as well. And grace, we have turned grace into a license to sin, or uh, grace is the band-aid that covers up what I did last night or what I did this last week. But that's not what grace is at all. And when you look at grace in the Bible, it's always paired with power. And grace is the power to do what you could not do on your own. Grace, essentially, is the power and the ability to not sin. That's what grace is. See, I don't have to sin and I don't have to do wrong because Jesus has paid for the grace to come on my life and keep me out of that keep me away from that if i tell most believers did you know you can live a sinless life for the rest of your life did you know you can go the rest of your life and never sin again you could do it i'm not saying you would i'm not saying i would but the ability and the power is there see here's what we've done we've taken jesus's price that he paid on the cross and we have applied it to the penalty of sin i don't have to go to hell but over in Romans, we saw last week, and you, you'll just have to get the CD if you haven't heard it, if you haven't uh, uh, listened to it yet. But over in Romans, it says that we have actually been freed from the dominion of sin. What is dominion? Control. See, Jesus didn't only free you from the penalty of sin. Well, I've sinned, but I, at least I don't have to go to hell. Jesus' price that he paid on the cross also delivered us from the control of sin. Meaning sin doesn't control me. Sin doesn't dictate my, my life anymore. My Lord, Jesus, He's my Lord. He controls. He calls the shots and I obey Him. And because of grace, I now have the ability to not sin and to say no to sin. That's what grace is. Not anything you did. Not anything we did. What Jesus did. And he empowers us to live a sinless life. So now we're looking at what does it mean to be a perfect man? What does it mean to be perfect? Because right now, 
I know, at least I can speak for myself, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I mean, perfect, the definition of perfect means excellent, not missing anything, getting it right every time, uh, you know, uh, whole and complete, and I'm not there yet. I'm there in Jesus, but I still have this flesh that I'm contending with. And so what does it mean to be a perfect man? Well, this word perfect is actually translated uh, mature. It refers to maturity, and it denotes a coming of age. This word perfect can actually be translated mature, and it actually denotes a, a child becoming an adult. Now, what is the biggest difference between a child and an adult? One, a child has to be told what to do before he does it. A mature person, an adult, shouldn't have to be told what to do. Case in point, clean your room. We might tell that to our children, but at some point, we're going to expect. I mean, somebody shouldn't have to be coming to your room now that you're you know, 35 years old saying, go clean your room. Don't come out until that's clean. Don't come. Why? We're adults. We're mature. We should be able to do that without anyone telling us. Don't touch a hot stove. You know, right now, my son, who's, you know, a little over a year and a half, I have to tell him, don't touch, this hot, don't touch the hot stove. I will have to teach him that. Because in his mind, he doesn't know that that's something I can't touch and that's something I can touch. But an adult, I shouldn't have to go over to Jimmy's house and just find him wanting to... Play with the hot, I just want to touch it, right? And then he can't go to Nikki, why did you tell me that was hot? Why did you tell me? Right, because that's what a kid would do. They'd cry and moan. See, so what are we expecting? We're expecting a mature person to be able to do something on their own without having to be told to do it. The mark of maturity in someone's life is when you are able to do something on your own without being told in the moment. Now, that doesn't mean we don't go to church anymore. It doesn't mean I become mature and I never have to go to church and no one tells me anymore because, I'll tell you right now, we are always continually walking this thing out for the rest of our lives. But in the moment, see, you know, if there's a new believer, you know, I might have to say, you know what, we don't, we don't talk like that. But, you know, as we grow up and as we become stronger in the word and stronger as believers, we should be able to know, you know what? I want to tell that person off right now, but because I'm mature, I'm able to refrain. I'm able to show maturity by being able to do something without someone being over my shoulder telling me. Right, Rosalie? I shouldn't have to go tell you, don't run in the road when cars are coming. Shouldn't have to say that. Okay? But now James, he might just, whoa, whoa, James, where are you going, man? You can't run out. There's cars coming. Okay? So the, the mark of maturity is not having to be told what to do in the moment. And I have to specify in the moment because people will think that and say, hey, once I'm mature, all right, how long does it take me to mature? Because I don't want to go to church anymore. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. Okay? Clean your room. Brush your teeth. Okay? We have to tell our kids that, but I shouldn't have to, <laughs> I shouldn't have to tell an adult that. 
You know, my wife have to, has to remind me every now and then. I'm just kidding. Anyways, so the fivefold, <laughs> the fivefold ministry is given to us. Why? To surround us to ensure that we are walking out and, and taught and learning a skill. Remember we said last week that discipline was improving and learning a skill. Improving a skill. Well, we're believers, but now we need to learn how to become believers and how to walk out lives that look like someone who lives in the kingdom. We've got to be taught that. Nobody knows that just coming into the kingdom. Nobody knows that. That's like me handing a baseball glove to Camden and saying, all right, go play ball. He's got to be taught. You've got to be taught the rules. We also said that discipline was learning the standards in a specific arena. Uh, it, I can't teach him how to play baseball and then tell him to go play uh, football with the same rules. It doesn't work. A touchdown is not a home run. <laughs> okay? So we have to be able to learn what are the standards for the setting that we're in, the kingdom of God. Learn those standards and then be able to improve our skills. Well, we got fivefold ministries. Our pastors, Christian authorities, uh, leadership that's placed around us. Uh, those are there for a reason. Those are to ensure that we are improving our skills as believers and staying on the road to success. That's the ultimate goal. Remember, this is about a prize. We're obtaining a prize here. We're obtaining a prize. You know why those baseball players and those football players and those hockey players, you know why they listen to their coaches? Because they want to be successful. Because there's a prize at the end of the year, and they want that. So, coach, yeah, if you see that I'm doing something wrong, let me know, and I'll adjust. That happens all the time. Someone may have a great start to a year, and then you know things begin to go downhill. Who are they going to? Coach, you, you see what I'm doing wrong? If I'm doing something wrong, I want to know. We need to be doing that in the kingdom. Uh, if, if, you know, We might be doing great, and then all of a sudden, you know what? I'm just really struggling in this one area. What, what can I do to change that? And then the leadership comes in and tweaks that and equips the saints for the work of ministry, and then you're able to get right back on the road to success. Okay? Winning always comes as a result of heeding instruction. Winning always comes. There is no athlete in any sport. I don't care what sport it is. I don't care if you do something, you know, in the Olympics a lot of times you find people that are doing things solo. They're not really, it's not a team sport like gymnastics. I mean, you're going out trying to win gold for yourself. Obviously it's for the country that you're, you're from, but it's your name on it. It's not, you know, team whatever. It's your name that gets put there. And so even they have coaches and instructors. And I can promise you, you can ask any of them, did you, do, did you become successful and do what you did this year all by yourself? And they're going to say no. Why? Because they surround themselves with the support and with people that are knowledgeable, people that are able to instruct them and help them improve their skills. Okay? So, winning comes uh, as a result of heeding instruction. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. This was 
Paul's talking to Timothy, and he's telling him how to instruct and lead the body at the church of Ephesus. And he says, If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of good doctrine which you have carefully followed. So he's showing here that a good instructor, a good leader is always feeding his people and always giving them instruction for them to heed and for them to follow. That's what a good coach does. Nobody wants a coach that doesn't tell them when they're doing wrong. No one wants a coach that doesn't tell them how to do something right. No one wants a coach that doesn't even know what they're doing. I've been on a few of those teams where you just get a coach because it was just happened by default, but, man, you don't really know how to pitch. You don't really know what it takes to be an outfielder. You don't really know what it takes to hit the ball. And they can't really help you. Well, you feel like you're limited now because of the person that's coaching you. You want someone that's able to give you instruction. You want someone that's able uh, to help lead you and guide you uh, to, to the success that you ultimately want to obtain. Okay? So we have to keep that in mind. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 through 4. The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. No one wants a coach that feels like they're doing it because they have to. You want a coach that is fully involved and fully interested in your success. That's what you want. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears... You will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Here's something that I think is exciting. You'll notice that when a team gets victory, or even in the Olympics, when someone does really well or gets a high score, even just an individual, who are the first people that they're always hugging and surrounding? It's either their teammates or their coaches. I think it's interesting that the coaches and the instructors the trainers, these people that they have set uh, around their lives the whole time get to share in the victory just as much as they do. When a football team or a baseball team wins the, the national championship, wins uh, you know, the college football, uh, basketball, when they win these things, the coaches are not eliminated. They're, they're not exempt from that celebration. Why? Because they're fully involved. They're in it, and the victory is theirs as well. When you come to church and you give me a testimony of how you did something this last week or uh, you, know, you had a trial come to your life but you overcame, guess who's celebrating with you? I'm right there with you because your victory is my victory. I am rejoicing with you because I'm fully involved in instructing and training and teaching you. And when I find out you've applied that, when I find out the Word has worked in your life, I am right there cheering you on and excited about it the whole time. And that is a victory for me because as a coach, you're applying the word that I'm here teaching daily. I, I'm not teaching people to be dependent on me. I'm empowering people to be dependent on the Holy Spirit in their life and to be able to go out and have victory and victory and victory all throughout their life. So when those things overcome in your life, I'm right there with you rejoicing to see those things happen. Look at John chapter 14. 
John chapter 14 and verse 25. Obviously, we've seen the fivefold ministry, our, our pastors, our teachers, the, the godly leadership that uh, we surround ourselves with. But John chapter 14, Jesus says that, he says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Go over a couple more chapters, John chapter 16 in verse 13. He says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he speaks, whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. The greatest teacher, the greatest guide, the greatest influence in your life is the Holy Spirit. This is your personal trainer. This is your personal. This is living with you day to day, living inside of you, prompting you. Don't do that. Yeah, we need to do this. And when we heed that instruction, remember what we said, winning is always a result of honoring instruction and heeding instruction. So when we heed the instruction that the Holy Spirit is prompting us and giving us on a daily basis, winning is inevitable. You will win. Learning to heed the voice of the Holy Spirit is the greatest asset to a disciplined life. There's no athlete out there that sees any kind of success by disobeying everything they hear and only doing what they want to do. Oh, you say I need to work out that long? No, I'll do it in half that. Oh, you say I need to switch this on my swing? No, I'll just keep doing what I've been doing. Oh, you say that I need to, to work on this part of my body a little bit more? Nah, I'll just, keep, I'll just keep working where I'm at. They will not operate in success. They will not gain the prize. They will not obtain it. One of the biggest keys to a disciplined life is learning to listen to the Holy Spirit, and obey Him. And I'll tell you right now, the more you obey Him, the quicker it is every time. Every time. He tells you not to do this, don't respond that way, don't talk to that person that way. The quicker you respond to the Holy Spirit, every time it gets faster and faster. It becomes second nature. In fact, you'll find that it'll be against your nature not to do it. That if I, disobey, if I disobey the Holy Spirit, that will actually go against everything that I'm about. You'll find that. The Holy Spirit is the greatest asset any believer has to leading a disciplined life. And he's, he's talking to you all the time. You know, if I ever have a, a counseling meeting or if I have to deal with something that someone is, is living in or doing that's inappropriate, the first thing I always tell them, I'm here talking to you today but I'm the second one because you have someone that's living on the inside of you that's already been dealing with it way before I showed up. And I'm only here because you didn't listen to that person. And that really, that really opens their eyes. They say, wow, you're right. And, I mean, we, we can go through. We can find where do the red flags go up, and, and we overrode those flags. I remember I was in a position, uh, in, in that position myself. And it became very identifiable what I was overriding every time to do what I wanted to do. 
and the you know the leader that was talking to me said, you know, I'm here talking to you in the flesh, but there's someone that's living inside of you that's been telling you this the whole time. I'm only repeating what someone else has been saying. And so that's the truth. We've got to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and obey quickly. And that's how, we, that's how we live that successful life. That's where winning becomes easy. That's where we start seeing the victories in our life is because we are disciplining ourselves to listen to what the Holy Spirit is guiding us and telling us to do. He is the teacher. He is the guide. Uh, he says in there that uh, he will show you things to come. I don't know about you, but I want to have a guide that's already been where I'm going. Nobody wants to have a travel guide or go on a tour with someone that doesn't know where they're, where they're headed. You don't want to go to Disney and get on a guide or get, go on a tour and the person say, you know what, we're just kind of on for the ride, man. I don't really know where we're headed. We'll just kind of figure it out. No, you're supposed to know. You're the one taking us somewhere. So you want a guy. Well, guess what? He's already been in your future. The Holy Spirit already knows your life inside out. He's already been where you're trying to go. And so you follow him and you obey him, and you'll find that you'll get where you've been trying to go this whole time. And so there's that, uh, there's that prize that we're running to obtain. He says, run in such a way that you obtain it. That means participation isn't good enough. Some of us have just been satisfied with, well, you know, I'm saved. But he says, don't just run. Run to obtain the prize. There is a prize to be gained. There is a crown uh, that is waiting us at the end of this race. And so we need to run this race to gain it. Don't just participate. Don't just get in and, and, and go through the motions. You want to be a winner. Winning is always better than participating. Tell you right now, there is no athlete that goes into all that training, all all the, the hard work, all the dieting, all the getting up early, all the sacrifice, all the putting down of everything they have to put down in their lives, and they just say, you know, I'm just kind of in for the ride. You know, whatever happens, if I get it, if we win this year, great, you know. But I'm really just here for the ride, man. I just... I just love playing. You know what they love more than playing? Winning. And that's why they do it. There, there are some uh, athletes, they can't retire until they get that ring. There are some athletes that, you know, they're 38, 39 years old, which obviously isn't old, but for, for sports, depending on what sport you're in, that's up there. I mean, how many of you would like to retire at 40? They do it. Why? Because age puts a limitation on you. But then you have those 41, 42, 43. And you know, you see those older ones that are just in it just for fun, just to participate. And they don't usually win the big prize. They, they get out of it what they put into it. I'm just, I, you know, I just really love the sport, and I'm not ready to quit yet. Well, you know, usually they're not getting a ring at 45 and 46. But those that, you know what, I'm not quitting. I'm not done. I have to get the prize. And so they'll put everything into it. Why? Participating is not good enough. I got to win. 
I want to be on top. I want to be number one. I want the ring. I want the trophy. I want to be there at the end holding the thing up. That's what I want to do. Okay? So we want to win. We don't want to just participate. We're running this race in such a way to obtain the prize. Father, we thank you. We thank you tonight that we're running this race and there is a, a, a prize at the end. We are obtaining everything that you have called us to obtain.